Welcome to Solving for B, your podcast for all things branding and marketing. Just do it. Any mention of that phrase, and I'm betting you think of Nike, one of the world's most iconic global brands. For years, they've invested in their brand using bold, sometimes controversial advertising to build a loyal following among athletes, celebrities, and consumers. In this episode, we break down what it takes to build and maintain a global brand like Nike. So sit back and enjoy this edition of Solving for P with Brand Extract. Hi, and welcome into Solving for B. I'm your host, Chris Wilkes, and I'm joined today by the Director of Brand Experience, Cynthia Stepech. Hey, Chris. CEO, Bo Bodie. College football season, Chris. <laughs> and Chairman, Jonathan Fisher. Chris. A lot of fun. Always love these talks. Awesome. Awesome. So, hey, thanks for jumping in, guys. Um, So uh, as you know, today's topic uh, is a brand analysis of Nike. Um, And what we want to do is discuss who they are as a brand, how they've gotten where they are, and talk about what makes them such a strong brand that resonates with so many across the world. So let's jump right in. How would you guys describe Nike's brand? You know, I've had a a long love affair with Nike's brand since I was whatever, you know, 12 years old or the first running shoe ever came out. Um, and Nike has always been a get out there and go do it kind of company. And they captured that really well with the just do it slogan in the late eighties and early nineties. Um, and then the way they built their brand about the high profile athletes and, and then taking on, taking on social issues over time, um, though having some of their own social issue issues, <laughs> um, you know, I think they've pre- stayed pretty true to their, their just do it, go out, get out there, you know, see the world through sport brand pretty well. Uh, that's, that's at least my take on it after working all summer to buy my first pair of Air Jordans in 1986. <laughs> so what are some of the uh cynthia jonathan what are some of the like, brand attributes you would say like what comes to mind when you think of of nike i think the first thing that pops in my head is like passion passionate um you know going back to what Bo said outwardly i think it's just a passion for people a passion for um currently you know inclusion diversity you see a lot a lot of that you know it's just like really being passionate about um, cultural and social causes that are happening. So that's definitely what stands out, um, for me. I think the, uh, the brand has always been aspirational in a sense that whether, you know, they started, you know, with the top athletes for the endorsement strategies, um, and they moved into that aspirational message, you know, even just with the just do it campaign, this message of hope now with sort of social diversity, environmental inclusion, whatnot, you know, so I, I see that thread of sort of that aspiration and hope kind of woven through the history of the organization, whether it's, it's Bo as a young kid someday hoping to be a professional, you know, or, or those that just want to get off the couch and, and get better. And they're like me, you know, never thought they'd be a professional with anything, but, you know, but that brand of hope, like, yeah, I, you know, I might get there, whether, whatever my personal goals are, you know, we can do it. And, and so I think for me, it's, you know, that's a big piece, I think, of the, of the, the attributes that, that I look at when I look at the brand. Yeah. And there, there's one other thing, too, that comes to mind, especially for Nike, is that uh, it's kind of this uh, passion or just, a, a you know, it's very design forward. 
I wouldn't even say, you know, it's a little bit on trend, you know, and they need to be like that, you know, it's for their target audience, people who are buying their products, but, you know, they are so mindful and just attentive about brand and style. Um, they're at the forefront of it. They've been pushing it, you know, in the sports area. I mean, along with a lot of other very notable brands, but that's something else that really stands out. Just not even just the products, but also like on all of their marketing materials, ads, it's got style, you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, and this was even, that's even part of what their brand has been operationally. I mean, I think that, you know, the first I was just looking, I just looked up to make sure I had my dates right. Uh, the first Air Jordans were released in 1985. Um, but I remember our senior year in 1987, you know, the Jordans were customizable way back then. I mean, you could get your team colors on them and everybody on the team would have the same color shoe, but they're all be Jordans. Um, you know, that, that's pretty forward thinking when you talk about in Cynthia, I think you, even, even physically the way that, that you can personalize the shoe and have been since it's in, since that piece's inception makes it even more personal. I mean, they, they even from an operation standpoint, from a function standpoint um, have been that type of company. Of course, you know, obviously they can make a ton of money when you can personalize something like that. So it's not, <laughs> they're still capitalists. Um, so I'm not being like all altruistic, you know, go be whatever, you know, we love you. We want to give you your personal shoe. No, it costs money. Um, but at the end of the day, that is all part of their brand. That has been a part of the physical part of their brand as well. Um, which I think is a really kind of neat part of it that, that they've been able to then articulate in the way they've presented the brand to the market, um, over all these years. Yeah. I think they've tapped, they've tapped into that popular expression, mm -hmm. you know, in their advertising as of late um, with some of their campaigns. So it's interesting, you know, like you say, but they, they had it kind of, you know, way before many didn't have it, but then through the advent, of, you know, of social media and the internet, because I mean, back in the eighties, the internet was like, what's the internet, you know? But it, <laughs> so, I mean, they've been able to ride that wave, that positioning, which they had, they've been able to capitalize on it through the technologies and the evolutions in, in, in the in the market advertising world now through this popular expression abilities that they have in that process. So yeah, kudos. They've done a good job with that. <laughs> One of the things that stands out to me about their brand, and I'd be curious to see your take on this, whether, whether you agree, number one and number two is, is kind of how that maybe how that been, or excuse me, how that uh, reflects on them. Everything you guys are talking about to me screams bold. They're, they, they don't, they're not, they're not hesitant in anything that they do. If they take a position, they take a position. It's not, they don't go lukewarm into it. And I'm wondering from a branding perspective, is that something that you would recommend to, to other brands? Is that something that, that is, is a good lesson for everybody? If you're building a brand, be bold, or is it only work because they are Nike? Yeah. Go ahead, Cynthia. Uh, I was going to say, you know, I think it's, it's part of it's tied into the business and it's their, you know, target audience. And it's like, who's buying their products. You got to be bold. You have to be bold on the court, right? Bold on the field. So it's like bold to win. So I think there's a lot of that where it's like, it's baked into the, um, you know, kind of the exterior marketing and part of the brand where it's like, you know, that it is bold, uh, you know, now going back with like internally inside Nike and what their brand values are and everything else, eh, you know, it's like, you need to be bold to like push forward ahead to advance certain people and things and whatever. Mm -hmm. But outwardly though, for their outside target audience, yes. I think, especially for branding uh, when it comes to sports, 
and this type of target audience, it should be bold. So, well, and I think I think that I think Chris, that you know, we do. It's always awesome to talk about these consumer brands because they people can relate to them, right? The corporate brand, any brand, should be who they are. Right. And so if Nike, if, if bold is a part of the brand, which I do believe and agree with you, it is, um, it, then you have to jump in wholeheartedly. I mean, it, I think brands that are, even if you're a quiet brand or you're a thoughtful brand or you're a whatever, you've got to be all that. Um, you can't do it halfway because then people won't, it just, it reduces trust. You know, why are they questioning their boldness? Should they be doing this? I mean, whether I agree with everything that Nike's done and everything that Nike does or not, um, they stick to their guns. And I think that that's a pretty solid, I think that speaks well for their brand, even though, you know, as we all kind of wade into where the world is today, it's hard to stick to your guns because everything, I don't know, we've talked about this before, the, uh, the, um, Oh gosh, the Ted Danson TV show. Um, Cheers. Oh no, uh, good place. <laughs> good place. You know, the good place, you know, it, it's be, everything's become so complicated as we've become more global and, and different values have started to um, permeate different cultures. You know, it, it's, it, it's hard to be a hundred, you know? Um, and when you are a hundred, you're wrong to a large percentage of the population. Um, the chat, the opportunity then for a Nike, unlike many of our clients or smaller, you know, our kind of B2B clients is that at least 50% of the people are going to buy their product. You know, uh, at least 50% of the people are going to believe most of the things that they do. Um, and that's one of the benefits they have to their brand. But I think back to this bold piece, if you are who you are, I mean, this goes all the way back to the Bible, right? I mean, don't be lukewarm. <laughs> you know, you, it, it's the same thing for companies, you know, either believe it or don't. You know, but when you're in the middle and gray, it makes it harder for people to trust your brand. It makes it harder for people to really buy into what you're selling. Um, and I think that that's something that Nike has done a really good job of really sticking to to who they are and what they believe. Brands brands need to build their tribes, right? And so you got to wave your banner for people to find your tribe. Um, so you know, first and foremost, to what Bo's saying, that and what Cynthia is saying, that's what boldness does for you, right? It allows you to align with those organizations that you believe in, whether it's cause marketing or whether it's just, you know, the particular nature of their product and what it does, you know, or the quality of the, of the material and the fact that it never breaks and you hate to repair your car, whatever it might be, you know. But the other thing is the data says, I mean, there's plenty of studies out there that talk about, you know, you know, 80 plus percentage of consumers will buy from a company that advocates for issues they care about, you know, or, uh, you know, I think as recent as uh, Edelman did a big uh, earn brand study talking about, you know, over 60%, you know, of those companies will buy or boycott to, to Bo's point, either side of the coin, right? Um, because of a social position or even a political issue that they might take in that stance. So it can work in your favor. And, and, you know, so the numbers are there that when you take your position and you own it and it's true to who you are, you know, that mathematically almost always works out to the brand's advantage and they see an increase in revenue. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I was going to say because, another thing too. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say that the, the, to me, the and we talk about this a lot and, and just to kind of tie that, it's like the authenticity is key to a brand, right? It's There's, there's a whatever it is called intuition, call whatever it is. If, if you doubt yourself, if you 
aren't sure about who you are, if you're lukewarm, as Bo put it, um, like the the general public or your audience is kind of going to pick up on that. Like, and it's, 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 it's like, it's like confidence in sports, right? If you're unsure mm-hmm. about what you're doing on the court or on the field, um, you're a split second late because you're thinking about it and, and you're less effective. So it's the same kind of concept in branding. And I think it applies across both to your point, all brands it's whether it's Nike or whether it's a, you know, a, a drilling contractor or whatever it is, you know, whoever you are, there's, if you are unsure about who you are as a brand, um, the outside world will, will pick up on that to some degree. Cynthia, I think you, you had something you wanted to add. Yeah, I was going to say, um, you know, when you have a, a tagline, like, just do it, you know, it's like that already kind of, and you, the minute you hear it, you're like, you get an idea of what this company is like. So again, to being authentic, it's like, but it's like being, when, when it's like, it's just do it, then it's like, I think it kind of, it goes beyond sports. It goes into like attitude, how you approach life, how you approach the world, how the company itself too. It's like, how how are they doing that? It's like you know they're being at the forefront of these social issues. So, yeah, um, it's like if if that's core to your brand is to be bold, to be authentic, then you know it's like especially with that type of tagline, gotta live up to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean think think about Crocs trying to be the sports brand for a moment. <laughs> it's like <laughs> or not. Are Nike trying to suddenly be the, you know, the, the ugly, comfortable, you know, croc brand for a moment, right? It's not going to work. It's just, mm-hmm. They can't do it, right? They got to be true to who they are and they got to build their tribes around who they are right. and take their positions right. in the marketplace. And I think that's the fundamental mistake that most organizations make when we walk into them. They haven't really staked their position. They've tried to be too many things to, you know, across the board to too many potential buyers uh, because they think they sell everything. And, you know, it's often an 80-20 rule classically, you know, where, you know, no, you don't have 57 products. You only have four products that drive 90% of your revenue. So what, what, you know, what gives here? What do you really stand for? What are you trying to really do? You know, right. how are you truly going to differentiate in the marketplace? Because they're just afraid to turn down any potential customer on the planet and they don't ever take a true position. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's a benefit where, I'm not a boycotter, right? I mean, there are certain things, there are certain things that, that I may boycott, you know, I may go like, I'm not doing that. But in reality, with a brand as ubiquitous as Nike, and this really speaks to to your point, Chris, about being all in, you know, now, again, nobody can be perfectly all in good place, right? You know, the points don't add up. Um, but the, the, the complexity of our world allows for, you know, if you're truly, you know, the just do it brand. And even, I think this is a challenge that some of our B2B brands, you know, a lot of them are commoditized. Um, this is, that shirt you're wearing is a commodity. Now, you know, adding the brand extract logo to it adds value, of course. Um, but you know, it is, I can get basically that same shirt from a thousand different shirt wearers, but the Nike logo has built over time a value to where we do value that commodity slightly more, right? I will pay an extra $5. I may not pay an extra $50. I'm not going to go in and buy a $70 Nike shirt, although others will, some will, but I think that's the long tail. Um, I think it's the same goes for a lot of these business to business brands that we're working with. You know, this ball bearing company, it's round smooth and a certain size. And as long as it's round smooth and a certain size, you could buy it from anybody. What makes me buy that 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 ball bearing 
from a specific company over time. And there's a lot that goes into the brand, the operations, the feel of it, the, the way, it, the confidence I have that it's going to be on time and it's going to fit the right way, or it's going to be, you know, I can get the exact size all the time. The consistency of the brand, not just the product, but the consistency of the message, which for the most part, I'm not a huge fan of some of the things Nike's been doing recently, just because they don't align with some of my values. But that said, over time, I, I'm willing to listen to some of those stories because I do trust the brand. Um, and that's a that and I think that they have I, I do respect that they have um, brought issues to light through their brand that has you know, while I may not agree with all of them, I appreciate the boldness that they they take, not just to sell a shoe because you can tell by some of the brand you know, some of the commercials I mean, a lot of this is to take on what Jonathan's talking about this trend of you know I mean they they are taking advantage of a trend, but it's true to who they've always been. Yeah. And I think I think that I, I think that kind of speaks to the boldness and also the all-in nature to where there's no hesitation. I mean, this makes yeah. sense. Let's go. And then they can take advantage of the opportunities that they get out of that. I think that's a that's something that many B2B or B2C brands need to really kind of take in, you know, in mind. You hesitate, you know, we hesitated with all the uncertainty and we didn't hire as fast as we should have. And those things that that confidence in in what you believe in, that confidence to move forward and make decisions, know that the guard's coming, you know, and I'm going to run right through that hole. It's those kinds of things that make make brands stick over time. It's almost like an intuition. It's like a it, it's um it's an intangible thing that if you have a feel for it, and it's like a because you can do. I, mean, I just got done reading. You guys know I'm a Disney nerd. Uh, I just got done reading Bob Iger's book, uh, and and he talks about like, hey, you can crunch all the numbers you want, and you can, you know, you can do all the studies and everything like that. At the end of the day, like, there's no one, you know, you're never going to be a hundred percent certain about anything. You have to take that like, that little bit of intuition to 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 push you forward. Um, I do want to go back and, and Jonathan and Bo, you guys touched on it a little bit. Talked about, um, you know, like certain messages, whether it resonates with, with uh, an audience or not. And I'm curious, I'm guess I'm kind of asking you guys to speculate a little bit here. Nike has, has historically taken controversial positions and, and it's, and some of them have been, you know, controversial for different reasons. We you know one of the early ad campaigns was Charles Barkley. Like I'm not a, I'm not a role model. I'm not right? a hero. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, you have, you have obviously like the more recent ones, like the Colin Kaepernick, um, and think in the past in the late eighties, I think it was, they had a, a, a runner who had tested HIV positive that they, that they signed as a Nike athlete. So things that have been controversial, controversial throughout kind of history or their history anyway, they have, haven't necessarily shied away from that. And my question is, is, do you think that that is, is something that they, they've studied and said, Hey, look, our audience wants us to be a part of these things. So therefore we are going to, to, to take on the Colin Kaepernick's of the world, or is it the reverse? And it's like, Hey, we're doing this and we're going to draw the audience with this. Are we, you know, I'm curious if you guys have any, and again, we're speculating a little bit here, but I'm curious to to know what you guys think and and then even extrapolate that as like, hey, is that a good strategy? I mean, it seems to have worked for them, but I'm curious your thoughts. I'll, I'll go. <laughs> um, I have no doubt in my mind that uh, when the agencies that work with Nike or the their own internal team sit and talk about what's next trend-wise, 
um, what's out on the news, what their uh, you know customers' uh, target audience is talking about. I have no doubt in my mind these conversations come up and they fully understand what they're engaged with. I mean, this is a very active brand on all the social channels, uh, actively out there speaking to their customers uh, and their followers and fans that this is has to come up in conversations time and time again. I have no doubt in my mind that they know they have to be an active participant in the conversation. I think that might mm-hmm. be part of it. And back to being authentic and having real conversations with uh, everyone who follows them. It's like, you have to talk about these things. Now they can take a more passive role. And I think we had an earlier podcast about this in the past about, you know, being at the forefront of your brand and leading those conversations. I imagine it's like, that's something for them every day. It's like, are we going to lead the conversation? Or are we just kind of just following along? So I think it right. is intentional. I think it's got both edges for them. It fits the brand. It fits the conversations uh, that they're having uh, with, again, their followers. And I think also it's like, you know, I imagine there's some something in there about being bold and controversial. You draw attention no matter what, you know? Yeah, the Elon Musk school of thought, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. So look, let's just take the NFL instance for a moment um, with Colin Kaepernick. Okay. That was a movement that the players decided they were going to endorse. More and more players started taking a knee to draw attention to the cause. Okay. So if I'm the NFL national sponsor and I got my 10-year contract in place, am I siding with the owners or am I siding with the players? And that was a decision I'm sure that came up in some conversations for them. And if they're a brand about athletes and not owners, and they don't get engaged with those athletes, then those athletes are going to feel disenfranchised in that process. So I think they had to have those debates internally and discuss where the brand is coming from and what do they believe is right. And do they believe in, in, you know, and I'm not saying they're without their warts and flaws, especially look at their social issues going on internally right now. Uh, with women and diversity and inclusion. But if they're looking at it and they're working on it, maybe they'll get better at it. I think anybody can throw rocks at any glass house and still have some of their own thrown it back at them. None of us are without our flaws. And, and no matter how much we tried as a corporation to be there, I mean, even the whole environmental movement, look at, you know, Allbirds. And, you know, they just announced, you know, going IPO under an, an, under an ESG brand umbrella, you know. So they're looking at everything from the materials they, they manu- you know, that they use in their products to where they manufacture their products and the, and the labor that's used to manufacture products to the pay rates they, they use to, you know, their staffing and diversity inclusion numbers. And they are going into market pretty aggressively in this position. And, and I, they might even lead some of these big fashion trends where the fashion industries and the clothing industries are going because there are huge environmental impacts to how things are currently manufactured for some people. And, some, and if that brand cares about that and they sit on the sideline, I think they're going to get left behind by the consumers that care about it. Yeah, I think this is such a – so I'm, I'm very much not a zero-sum brander. Um, you know, and I think there are people on either end, right? This isn't all natural. This isn't all environmental. This isn't all perfect. So I'm not going to buy it. I'm going to boycott it. <laughs> there are people on the other end of the spectrum, small groups, right? 10% of the population that screw it. I'm buying it no matter what. 
You know, I mean, I really could care less about what's made in it, what's made of. I just don't even think about it. And then there are all the rest of us that are along that spectrum. I, I think the world used to be a bigger bell curve, and that curve has gotten a lot flatter. Um, and I think to Jonathan's point, you know, the more of those things, truly who you are, right? I mean, it's watching all of these energy companies that we work with try and rebrand around ESG, that's not a thing, right? I mean, it, it, it's a thing. They can be more sustainable. They can be more responsible in the way they produce, but they're still punching holes in the earth and pulling stuff out of the ground. I mean, I, you can't you can't overcome that. You know, the, the, I think the brilliance of Nike's strategy um, has been they have always been true to these things. And back to kind of what we talked about, they they stick with their guns. I, I think Jonathan, there are probably a lot of times where they don't even. I think everybody, since they've been so tight with Wyden Kennedy and their their brand is what it is, they just go, okay, we got to jump on this trend. And it's not a matter of just complete, it's not completely altruistic, but it's not completely capitalistic. They're just like, you know, the, this Paralympic thing that they've been promoting and, and the the everybody can be an athlete, everybody can achieve at a high level that they've been pushing you know, or promoting um, not pushing is completely true to their brand. You know, the, the women's issues that they dealt with in their advertising with the soccer team, with the national team and, and all of those kinds of things. I mean, even though they have, I think, and this is something else to talk about, even though they may not have been the best at their corporate level, or they may not be where the world expects them to be now. Mm -hmm. Um, They've always championed those issues. They've always championed minorities as leaders in, in their advertising. They've always championed women as leaders to promote their brand. They've always championed the, the downtrodden or the those that are overcoming or overachieving. And so it, I don't even know that they even have to think about it. You know, it's like, okay, this makes sense. Charles Barkley, I'm not, you know, I'm not a role model. That makes perfect sense to me. And the rest of us are going, what? What are you talking about? My kids watch you, you know, but then you start to think about the pressure that are on these people and the, the expectations that people have. And it, it, to your point, Cynthia, it brings to light a lot of those, the issues that we all struggle with about perfection and can we do better and, and those kind of things, which then turns into the social issues that they end up championing. Um, and that's that you give them a pass. If you're, if you're in the middle of that flat bell curve now, you give them a pass. But is it a pass? I mean, I think maybe, you know, if you're a global brand, maybe they see it as their responsibility to drive conversation. To your point, Bo, yeah. there's too much, there's too much on the fringes these days. And they want to bring those fringes together and create conversation and dialogue. Maybe that's their hope for these campaigns. It's not, it's not binary in its approach and its process. I mean, is there a you know, is is it the fact? I mean, you're you're kind of advocating that, saying you don't take a binary, you don't take a binary position, and you said you're willing to listen. And so, when they put these campaigns out there, by your own admission, you're willing to listen. So, is that is that their ultimate goal? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it is. I think at the end of the day, they're a public company and they have to make money. Um, and it, but it fits their personality. I mean, it it fits who they are, right? I do not I do not agree with the Colin Kaepernick take a knee kind of thing but i am i'm all about team and one and all that kind of stuff and it turned into that you know but it really was a, an individual thing to start which i respect so it, there, it i think it creates conflicts for their brand that are good in the end of the day it's a good thing 
You know, I don't see any of this as horrible. Nobody was shooting anybody in this instance. You know, they were making a stand and people were standing up for what they believed in. And that's Nike's brand. Okay, cool. And I, I get it. And I'm still going to buy their shoes. You know, I mean, I, I, I got That's absolutely it. It's like, this is a brand that can do that. There are a lot yep. of brands that can't do that, can't you know, do and, but it's like Nike go back to this whole thing. Just do it. You know, even Colin, call our first name basis now, uh, <laughs> yeah. <and> me, <laughs> kind of lines up with that tagline. Just do it. Yep. He's like, I'm taking yep. a stand and nothing's going to stop me. And back to this whole thing is passionate and it's bold. And he's, he did it. So it's like, and I think Nike's kind of like this person lines up with, our values, you know, well, how we put Nike say, I mean, is, is Nike saying we respect your rights, you know, to, 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 to free speech and, and to stand for the things that you want to stand for? I mean, is, are they putting that ahead of their own, you know, personal bias? I don't know. It's you, not bias. I, I think they're, I think they tap into, they're smart business people. Mm-hmm. I think it is true to who they are as an organization and what they've stood for. But I'm not, I definitely am not going to fall in the line of, oh, they're, they're, the purpose of their organization is to make people communicate with each other on polarizing issues. Yeah. Uh, they want to sell shoes. And I, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't see a problem with it at all because they're being true to, to who they've been throughout their history. Yeah. Um, and that's why, to your point, Jonathan, this isn't about, there are certain things I believe and, and that you have to take yourself personally out of that. Right. And each of us has our individual pieces. You kind of, kind of take a step back. You, you know, the brand, the brand is not me. You know, there are some people that are specific brands. There are some people that are the CNN brand or that are the Fox news brand or that are the all birds brand or that all the, are the, the brand they work for, you know? Um, but I think as long as they're true to that throughout the, thing and the great thing about to you guys and it's all to the point you're making jonathan and chris you've talked about cynthia you've talked about we've all talked about it they do they sit at a unique spot where they do have enough of a voice and they do need to be responsible and i think it for the most part for in most situations they have done a really good job of being true to who they are, but bringing to light issues that even they may not completely agree with, but they give it a voice because you said it perfectly, Cynthia, Colin Kaepernick just did it, you know, and that fits the brand. Um, Whether or not they believe fully in the action or not, or whether or not they're trying to sell shoes is irrelevant. They are a platform for that type of initiative Mm -hmm. or that type of belief it's it's the outward thing and i agree with you we're they're in the business to sell product you know it's like and back to the whole thing i love the all birds you know it's like they're really thinking about how they're sourcing materials how they're producing the stuff the truth is is that nike this is all about you know mass production on a global scale of all sorts of products that use all sorts of petroleum type products too to make these cool stretchy fabrics that are cut the right way to fit a woman's body or to fit a man's foot so he can you know it's just, it's all you know it's a business. Um, but again, I think it's like whenever they do latch onto these kind of um, social justice um, topics or campaigns and stuff, it's like, it fits their brand. They could do it. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine even 
Coca-Cola really taking a hardcore stance on any of that, you know, I don't think it would fit or McDonald's, but Nike. Yeah, it'll fit. Absolutely. Well, it's the benefits of having a, a, a strong, bold brand that you, that you are very in tune with, right? Like Bo, like kind of what you said is like, there may not, there probably isn't a lot of consternation in this discussion when they're talking about, should we do this or should we not? Because like, Hey, this is who we've been throughout our history. So I think that's one of the added benefits of having a strong brand is that knowing your brand and knowing what it is and not being lukewarm on any of this allows Nike and other companies who have that to say, yep, this is, this is an, an easier decision. I mean, some of these decisions aren't easy, but they're easier than somebody who doesn't know who they are, who are trying to wade through this, who are trying to figure out where they fall, what their position is on this. Um, so, so I, I think you know the, the 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 takeaway there is that having a strong brand helps you make these decisions rather than you. It, it can be your north star, I guess. Whether you know, rather than me trying to talk about it. Well, I mean, yeah. Apple isn't going to go make devices that are harder to use, right? I mean, their brand right. position is around simplicity and elegance, you know. Um, and so, if they if they skew from that, people are going to resist it. You can you know you can be an energy company. And you can be true to who you are, and that's a good thing. You know, you can drill safer or, you know, make a, a bit that lasts longer or, you know, dispose of your waste more properly, whatever it might be. You need to be, you need to drive the value that you believe in as a brand position and do it in a way to Cynthia's point that's clear or bold so that the market can differentiate you from your commoditized competitors, as Bo talks okay. about. You know, be it through your operations of your delivery or through your sustainability or your policies or whatever it might be, as long as they're just not washing, you know, these these messages out there, but they they are sustained through the entire organization's behavior and values and you know actions and materials that they use and create with, then it's okay you know, but they need to be honest. And I think that's the, you know, where some people get awry. We, we've seen plenty of clients that when we do customer interviews, you know, they'll say they're fast. We interview the customers and like, Oh no, it took four hours to hunt down my delivery ticket. You're not fast. Okay. <laughs> you know, you can't put that message out there just cause you want, or they say they're diverse and it turns out they're not, you know, cause um, you, you can't put those messages out there because that's the core. That's the fundamental golden rule. Don't break your promise as a brand, right? Cause that's what brands right. are built off is those consistency and promises to those point earlier. So. Yeah. And I think Jonathan, that kind of speaks to what you're saying. I think that Nike has historically made more good promises to the consumer over a long period of time that aligned with who they were and who they've shown themselves to be, you know, that, they have issues in China or they have issues in it with labor or at diversity at the executive level, but it's like three, you know, five, 10, uh, no matter how egregious they are over a long history. I think, I think you're right, Jonathan, they, they have done a great job of, of staying true to who they are, giving them more brand value, but also a greater voice. And to Cynthia, to your point, it allows them to take chances that other brands can't, but it seems as if the most of the chances they've taken have been been trendy, but trendy on the right side of of culture and society. Public opinion, yeah, yeah, and it's in separate public opinion, the right thing, right? You know, I I would I would I would venture to say 
we talked about this in the Colin Kaepernick, you know, take a knee NFL thing, you know, podcast we had before. I would venture to say that 90% of the people, maybe 95% of the people would say social justice equal rights. It's the right thing to do. They may not have agreed with the action, but that said, to Cynthia's point, he just did it. And those freedoms, the freedom to be able to express yourself, the freedom to not be able to have, to be held down for what you believe in, it, that's all in the Nike brand, mm. you know, and they've done a really good gap, job of capturing it. And Cynthia and I are on the capitalist side here a little bit, but, and monetize it, you know, I mean, they've been able to monetize these things um, in, in a way that betters their that increases their voice and they've mostly been responsible with that power. And that's pretty cool. I mean, I, I just can't, I keep thinking about as we're throwing out brands. If I can't imagine Pepsi who's been a me too brand to Coca-Cola and everything else come out and somehow be the social justice warrior, right? They can't, they don't have the power. They don't have the lift under armor's always been about my house, me personally, you know, they don't have the lift to take on the social issues that a, a brand like Nike does um, yeah. because they've stayed true and been bold throughout their history to what they believe, which is yeah. to open up things to people, for people to take chances and to be more than they thought they could be. That's an awesome brand. You know, it's not perfect, but, you bring up, but it's pretty solid. You bring up a point like with Under Armour and Pepsi. Here's, here's something to think about too. When you're not bold and somebody else takes the position, it is so much harder to upseat them. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, the, your cost of acquiring market share is 10X to yeah. take market share away from somebody who already has it. So by not taking these positions, whatever they might be for your organization and, and who you are truthfully, you are giving ground and conceding ground and costing yourself money in the long run by not staking your claims in the marketplace. Right. So, you know, so for, you know, Absolutely. for an Under Armour to suddenly try and take, you know, Nike's position, imagine the dollars they'd have to spend. <laughs> I mean, it would be exorbitant compared to the dollar that, that Nike spends for that to maintain the positions. So again, you want to talk capitalism? Let's talk good yeah. business practice behind branding. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, all right, guys. Uh, I think we've done a really good job here uh, analyzing it. You know, analyzing the Nike brand and and kind of how their positions or how their brand dictates kind of the positions and, and how that impacts the business. So I, I I'm really appreciative of, of your insight. I do want to ask kind of one final thing on the way out. Um, just get your thoughts. What's the big takeaway here from you know if you look at Nike as a brand and you're thinking about how how can a mom and pop business or, or, you know, like a, you know, mid-sized business or something like that. Like what, what can they take away from a Nike or from the things we discussed here that you think is like really relevant? Cynthia, looks like you have something to, uh, to say. I will mention one thing in particular, which is their relationship with White and Kennedy and executive level inside Nike, you know, like we just mentioned, they, they fell a little bit, you know, they're old school thinking in there, which is fine. Everybody's in this, this trans formative moment in business and everything else. But there's something to be said for working with the right type of agency. Um, they, they're they actually the ones who developed the tagline, just do it. And a lot of the other, um, you know, campaigns and everything that's tied into it. 
Um, so I don't think, you know, when you talk about the Nike brand, I think you also have to bring up White and Kennedy and what they're doing on their side as well for helping to develop and grow that brand. Uh, I think on then on the uh, internal side on Nike, having the, uh, you know, just it was good business sense to work with, I think, uh, edgy creative an edgy creative agency, especially for what they offer and ultimately where they ended up in the end. So it made sense. So, so having a, a, a trusted partner uh, and steward of your brand help, mm -hmm. you know, helping you make those decisions. I think, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, Bo, Jonathan, anything to add in terms of, you know, a takeaway that you think, you know, Hey, if you don't think hear anything else in this episode, this is, you know, this is what the takeaway is. I'll give Jonathan the last word since he, he let me open um, and Cynthia <laughs> let me open. Um, I, I, think, I think that brands that are mostly true, because I don't believe in perfection, right? Um, that are constantly working to be true to who they are and, and those that they serve, because I think Jonathan touched on this really well, that you know, brands are making promises. And, and when you're a consumer, you are also you're buying into that promise. And so if somebody pulls the wool over your eyes, you look foolish as well, or you feel like you do, right? Um, I think brands that are true, separate the bold things, some of the things we talked about, but just in general, um, brands that are true to who they are, know who they are and understand it may have worked with a partner to let them help them define it um, and, and communicate it. But um, they're the ones that win. They make, to your point, Chris, they make faster decisions. Um, they make more better decisions for them and for their consumer. Um, they make better product decisions. Um, and, and they, they cut through the chaff, right? There, there's not, it's like, I am this to out Jonathan's point about Apple. It's about simplicity, ease of use, period. End of story. If we're doing something beyond that, if we're making something too complicated, it shouldn't fit there. Those are quick, easy business decisions that can save you money, make you money, and then keep you safe. Um, to Nike's point, they can stick their necks out there because they have been true to their brand long term. And so I think, I think summing that up, you know, being true to who you are and knowing that allows you better business decisions and a better overall relationship with your customer and allows you quicker. It, it, you can find the right customer faster using that kind of brand approach where I am, this is our North star and this is where we're headed. Yeah. There's like a brand doing these things and, and, and really taking care and maintaining your brand allows you uh, a little bit of insulation, which we've talked about in the past, right? Insulation from bad things, you know, a little bit, that reaction time, that, that split second where you're, you're acting and your competitor isn't, now you're Jonathan, you touched on the, Hey, now whoever didn't move first is now having to play catch up and spend more. So right. uh, very good point, Bo. Jonathan, what do you got for us? So I agree with what uh, my colleagues have said in this conversation today. so I would add another perspective, which is, you know, when we look at branding, we look at these, these three positions, right? Who you are, your truth, your strengths, but what your customers value and they want, they either need or want it. Right. And then the competition, what's differentiated. Right. And if you think of that as a Venn diagram, that, that strongest brand positioning is where all three overlap. And so I think to Cynthia's point, I think she, she alluded to is that, and Bo's talked about this is you can't ignore the market. You know, you have to do voice the customer. So you have to do competitive research. I'm sure that White and Kennedy is doing this and bringing it to the table and they are aligning it with who they, they are bringing these opportunities potentially, you know, 
to who they are, where, where their strengths are. And so they're put, they're filling out those circles. And I think that anybody that's worth their salt that does strategy the right way, it knows what branding is more than just the logo, <laughs> you know, and, and the colors you pick and, you know, the, the photo on your, your ad or whatever it might be, understands these and looks at not only their operations to the points that Bo made earlier in the conversation about, you know, being, you know, you know, whether you're, you're fast or how you deliver your quality, all these are part of your branding strategy. And you have to do the research. And, you, and I, I think that if you walk away thinking that you can just do this without doing the research, you're going to fail. You're going to make mistakes. And you need to you need to understand what brand positioning is and how it works. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's great, guys. I, I really appreciate it. Thank you for the time. Thank you for the insight. And uh, we'll catch you next time. So thanks. Uh, I'll catch up again later. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. That's it for this edition of Solving for B. If you enjoyed the episode, check out brandextract.com for more content from our team about all things branding and marketing. Thanks again for tuning in to Solving for Bee.